Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Two fans, one mission, bringing Major League Baseball to Oregon. Powered by the Portland Gear Store, this is the Diamonds and Roses podcast. And without further ado, your hosts, Ben and David. I'm Ben. And I'm Dave. And welcome to the Diamonds and Roses podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing outstanding because I'm thinking about baseball. I am too. Baseball's on my mind. And uh, what should be on your mind, besides listening to our podcast, is the fact that you can... uh, you can get a hold of us and uh, check some things out on Twitter at Podcast Roses. And also uh, on our website at dnrpodcast.wordpress.com. Sounds outstanding. It does. If you build it, Dave, they will come. And they will. They will. Let's. What are we talking about today, Dave? Do you know? I think today we're gonna we're gonna transition. You know, we talked about stadiums in our last couple episodes, and we've we've referenced. Uh, this this subject a few times we have and this is something that I think anyone who's lived here for you know more than fifteen or twenty years can really relate to mm-hmm. the Beavers the Portland Beavers the Portland Beavers this is gonna be a good episode Dave yeah I'm excited I'm excited because uh, this is part of part of my life growing up going going to games and uh, this is this this will hit home you know and this is part of my life when I first moved to Oregon in 2003 and and actually got to experience watching the Beavers play at uh, the Parvins Park. Yeah, and I, I think about you know baseball and your experiences and that whole larger than life experience as a kid. Um, it's just it's just baseball. It's just magic. I mean, it's it's like like you're watching mythical creatures out there. Essentially, mm-hmm. um, it's it's just it's fantastic. Yeah. So we're gonna talk about the Beavers, but stay tuned after we get done talking about the Beavers because I think we're gonna talk a little bit about you know, the, this team name and moving forward with this team name and whether mm-hmm. whether or not we should use this or not. <clears throat> yeah, it'd be interesting to think about. Yeah, so we'll talk about that at the end. So, but first let's get into, uh, let's get into the Beavers and how they started. Sounds good. Right. All right, let's roll. So, uh, so the Beavers, or at this time, the Portland Webfoots, which was in 1901 slash 1902, played in the Pacific Northwest League. <clears throat> in 1901, they won the league at 73 and 35 record and that was their that was their first actual season uh that was that was their first actual season and they and they won the league and it was what a four team league did you say yeah yeah uh, four team league gotcha and then uh, in 1902 they finished fourth with a 58 and 62 record so progression downward yeah under 500 yeah not progression regression there you uh, go. so in the first year of the league the webfoots had trouble with attendance by 1902 their negotiations with the 
between the Pacific Northwest League and the California League to merge. So there were some negotiations with those two leagues to merge. You know, baseball had been around since the mid-19th century, but this wasn't, again, and I've referenced this before, this wasn't uh, quite the popularity boom of, say, the late teens or the 1920s, you know, the mm-hmm. roaring 20s or the 1950s. And again, got, you've got to have some kind of economic or cultural or historical context here. Yeah. Because again, this is this is right kind of early, early industrial revolution. Yeah. People people don't have the, a lot of time or money or inclination to spend on leisure activities um, at, at this point. So it's a it's a, it's a tough sell, um, and it's it's going to take a few years to really take off. But but those that do, they're they're committed. Right. To to this particular event, and so. Um, there, so there was talks between the Northwest Pacific Northwest League and the California League to merge. Gotcha. And the Webfoot's president, Jack Marshall, opposed this merger. Did he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he completely opposed the merger of the two leagues. And some say or claim Marshall's opposition was due in, in large part to his personal dislike of the Pacific Northwest League president, William Henry Lucas. Ah, so he was... He was maybe uh, using his heart and not his head when it came to financial decisions, uh, you know. Yes, yeah. and not wanting to maybe maybe is a revenue type thing at that point. Maybe it was like you know if we go into this, then I'm going to lose more revenue than hmm. you know what I'm making right sure. now. Sure. So uh, so moving on, both Portland and as we talked about the Seattle clubs because there's a rivalry there. Yeah. Uh, they both wanted to create a rival league to the Pacific One Coast of the other league. teams, by the way, was down in the Bay Area, the San Francisco Seals. Seals, yes. Yeah. But these two particular teams wanted to create a rival league to oppose the Pacific Coast League. Oh, did they? Yeah. Okay. And then the Portland team was eventually accepted into the PCL, but not before the Portland team uh, filed a lawsuit against the Pacific Northwest League for harassment, saying they were told to throw the league pennant to the Butte Montana team. That yeah, th- this is the this is an early version. I'm thinking of the 1919 um, Shoeless Joe Jackson Black Sox scandal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in terms of you want to talk about a black mark in the history of baseball, where gamblers were able to pe- uh, pay off members of the White Sox who were heavily favored. Yeah, and they took bribes and they they performed poorly on purpose and really destroyed baseball's credibility. For but Shoeless Joe Jackson team. didn't. I mean, the guy ended up hitting, what, 300? Right. And, and so, but he's still banned from baseball. Right. There's some interesting dynamics there Yeah. Uh, in terms of organized crime's influence on baseball uh, and baseball getting a bad name for, for a decade or two after that. Yeah. You know, the recovery was slow. Exactly. And then by 1902, the Webfoots who we were talking about were disbanded. And 1903, I know this is a t- the, you had mentioned this in one of our previous episodes. The Portland Browns were established and joined the PCL. Frequent name changes. Exactly, name change. What three at this point? Yeah. We had the Web Webfoots Web Browns. Web Browns, and then the PCL identified early on as an independent league. Okay. So uh, it was the f- the first. They were one of the first six who joined the league. They finished fifth in the first season of the league. By 1904, the Browns finished with a record of 79 and 136. Wait, that that's a one season? Yeah. So they, so they played over 200 games. Yeah, they, they were playing like 220, 200 games. 220 games in a season. Yes. Wait, 
So you're talking like double or triple headers every day, or are they playing year round? Or no, they're just playing in the summertime. It's actually quite interesting. What we have 162 games now, right? And here they're playing 200 games. And so they're is, playing a boatload of double headers. I'm guessing. Yeah, and this is not. I mean, we're not talking about a major league game team. We're talking about uh, a ball club that's e- that's in the minor leagues. It's playing 200 games. This is insane. They're playing double headers. Yeah, they're playing. Yeah, that's and we're talking twelve ni- games a week. We're talking nineteen oh four here. Oh my gosh! And there was no lights, so you're not playing at night. So you, if you're playing double headers, you're starting early in the day. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So the so they after they finishing seventy nine and one hundred thirty six, the losses still stand as a record in the PCL for most losses by a team in a single season. Huh. Other records for this season included. 669 errors <laughs> most in a season. 669 errors in a season. Yes. That's insane. So check out this fielding so, percentage. So they're averaging almost, that's almost exactly an average of three per game. Yes. In a 200 game season, three errors per game. Oh yeah. my goodness. So check out the fielding percentage. Their fielding percentage is 0.929%. It's the lowest ever huh. for a single season t- in a single crazy. season for a team. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, so by 1905, Walter McCready and former Republican U.S. House member from Washington, Judge William Wallace McCready, purchased the Browns. The team was then renamed the Portland Giants. So we're now on team three or four. Because I think you had the Webfoots, but then the, the Webfoots were, were web something previously to that. And then there's something the Browns, before the Webfoots. Yeah, the so Webfoots, that's team named The Browns. Four. And now we're at the Portland Giants. Gotcha. And Walter McCready was named player manager. Now, Walter McCready, we'll get into him in a future episode, but he was a, um, a Major League Baseball player, if I recall. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, and it, anyway, so the PCL was reclassified as a Class A league in the minor league baseball at the time. So right, Class A, a was the highest. Oh, really? At that time. So their system go. was different. Yeah, okay. the system was way different. Gotcha. And so by 1906, the team was then renamed to the Portland Beavers after a newspaper contest was started to decide. Now, I think back then no one's buying like swag or gear or anything like that. No. Because otherwise you'd have a nice collection at this point. Exactly. And the the Beavers went on to win their first pennant in the PCL during the 1906 season, led by Mike Mitchell, who led the PCL in home runs. And get this, with six. He led the PCL in home runs with six. And it was 200 games. With six home runs. Wow. It's the fewest ever. Can you imagine like somebody hitting six home runs and in the leading league? I, I, I'm thinking about the stadiums, and I wonder, are these inside the Parkers or mm-hmm. what that looks like? I just, my mind is going crazy. But they talked about, at this time, they said that the pitching was phenomenal. Was it? It was, yeah. okay. So that the pitching was so good that that's why there was minimal home runs. Interesting. And the 1906 Beavers were recognized as being one of the 100 greatest minor league teams of all time. Okay. And uh, by 1907, the Beavers finished last. So they went from winning the pennant to then finishing last the, the span following of six years, season. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then in 1908 and 1909, they finished second. And by 1910, they won another pennant. So here's a cool thing that I did find out. Three pitchers from that team that won the pennant in 1910 uh, had 20 wins or more. Wow. A tobacco company printed limited rare baseball cards, and one of them was Bill Steen. 
Gene Crap, uh, Vaughn Gregg, and Mr. Gregg had 32 victories, 336 strikeouts. Oh my gosh. And 14 shutouts. 14 shutouts. I mean, the so, so I'm going to tell you this. You think about our game nowadays with the relievers, reliever specialists. And exactly. And it's, these are these are iron horse pitchers. This, so this, I wonder how many pitches in a game they're throwing. I this mean, was this, to my or this in is, a week. This is exactly what's going to be to my thing because I was watching that that documentary I watched on 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 the Beavers. It talked about this guy who was like, oh my god, these you know th- these people nowadays are, are wimps, and he and I was like. Thinking was like, okay, well, why? And he's like, well, we went the whole game. You did not have right. a middle reliever, and you did not have a closer. He's like, we complete pitched games, complete games. Yeah, bizarre. So, I mean, to do that, just phenomenal. I mean, the you know the only other trio that I have in my mind that I could think of that great was Greg Maddox. Avery and John Smoltz. Yeah, Smoltz, Madison, Avery. That that and Tom Glavin was even there. If you want to include those four, yeah, I mean that's yeah. that. I mean that was a phenomenal pitching staff of the Atlanta Braves. But 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 these these guys had. I mean, you think rare tobacco baseball cards and three Portland Beavers were on them. It's awesome. That was great. So then by 1911 through 1914, the Beavers had their own farm team. Okay, so. At this point, they're single A, which is the highest in the minor leagues. Yes, the equivalent of triple A today. Yes, and so so they're getting maybe what we would consider like a double A team or a sing or a single probably a team. A, like a, a independent, you know, like the Wood Bat right. League kind of right. So so okay, gotcha. Yeah. So um, so they played in the Northwest League, and they shared Vaughn Street Park with the Beavers also. Okay, and they were known as the Portland. Pippins or the Portland Colts. Huh. So again, I'm learning so much more di- doing this podcast, diving into the rich history of Portland baseball and Oregon yeah. baseball. Just the name changes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a lot. I, I need to get this on a poster or something. Or, you know, I need I need a diagram, a flow chart. Can yes. we get these name changes on a flow chart? Somebody, yeah. somebody out there, can you make a, a, a professional Portland baseball flow chart for us? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And we'll get it on the podcast. Yeah, somehow. We'll take a picture of it. Yeah. And then, so by 1912, the NAPBL made a change in the league classification, and it moved to double A. And again, it was the top tier at the time. So you're essentially going from single A ball to now double A ball, which is, so now it's named double A. Okay. And then the 1913-14, they won uh, the pennant each season. That's awesome. Yeah. And then 1915, the team went into a tailspin, which would last for a decade. Oh. It also marked the end of their relationship with the Cleveland Indians at the okay. time. So they were a farm team for the Cleveland Indians. Okay. And then with World War One, this is interesting. World War One had restrictions uh, that were placed on travel. As such, the Portland Beavers withdrew from the PCL and in, for the 1918 season. The, the restrictions on travel, and those were due to, uh, they're worried about, uh, what are they worried about? Kidnappings or just uh, like a like a bomb attack or something of that nature? Yeah, I, I don't know. But the other thing too is is that the I think the Columbia Bridge or another bridge across the Willamette was built at that time. Br- one of the steel bridges. Oh, okay, gotcha. So that also limited uh, the ability okay, for them to okay. travel. Gotcha. And and again, uh, you know, in terms of war wartime, we're talking about like uh, resource restrictions. As exactly. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
So and then uh, so that the year that they removed, which is the 1918 season, they played in Class B Pacific Coast uh, International League. Gotcha. And became the Portland Buckaroos. Okay, that's got to be like number eight. Yes. Something of that nature. <laughs> it's another yeah. name change. Flowchart uh, again. Somebody out there. Yeah. So play was stopped on July 7th due to the war. And uh, they were in second place at the time. They were a game and a half behind Seattle. So, of course, oh, so Seattle, Seattle followed them right. into the inner West Co- the Pacific Coast International Another reason League. why we need Major League Baseball in Portland. Yeah, to there get that go. rivalry back. Oh, I mean, we had the, the Timbers and we have the fantastic Vancouver. Rivalry. I mean, not the Vancouver, I'm, I'm, Seattle I'm sensing, I, I could see a huge portion of Timbers fans being Portland baseball fans. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And so by 1919, the PCL offered Portland an expansion team to return back to the league. The team finished second to last that season. And then in 1920, they finished last place again in 1921. After the season, the McCree sold the team to Walter Kepler, former president of the Seattle team. Ooh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Comes full circle. Exactly. And then by 1924, the Beavers officially became the farm team for the Oakland Athletics. What year was that? 1924. Okay. Gotcha. And they were now under new ownership, John and Tim Sheeb. It's S-H-I-B-E. Okay. Um, So by 1929, the Beavers changed their name to the Portland Ducks. So that's going to be like nine. Because, wait, Ducks, we started as the Webfoots. So this is truly well. It's come full circle. Yeah, because we're, we're back. The, so yeah. wasn't the University of Oregon uh, football team, or wasn't the University of Oregon the Webfoots at one time? They were the Webfoots before they were the Ducks. Ducks, right? And their basketball team was the Tall Furs. Yeah. And then okay, so yeah, everything's coming back to it. So now yeah. we've got the Portland Ducks. Ducks. Strangely enough, we think about Portland Beavers, and people get confused when they hear Beavers, and then Portland Ducks. So there's this. Weird mascot crossover yeah. coming up. Yeah. Yeah. They should just become the platypuses. Or something. Yeah. yeah. There we go. <laughs> so people believe the team insulted the town by changing the name from the beavers to the ducks. As, like a, a weaker animal or something? Like that? Who knows? Yeah. But, you know, like we talked about with Vaughn Street with all that rain in the first game, you yeah. know, ducks swim. So, yeah. Keep, be- but beavers swim too, though. Keeping it culturally relevant. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, uh, and by 1939, team president Tom Turner purchased the team from the Sheebs. Uh, in 1932, the team won its first pennant since 1914. All right. 1933, they finished in second. In 1934, the team was again sold, this time to E.J. Schefter. Okay. Um, in 1936, the team won the pennant again in the postseason crown. So they went on to win okay. the championship. And legendary late-inning comebacks that season. Oh, exciting. And one of the, the documentary of the Beavers that said that uh, the, the guy was like, oh, nobody expected the team to show up until after the seventh inning. And then after the seventh inning, that's when the bats came alive. He's that's like, awesome. If, if the game, he's like, if the game ended at the seventh inning, we would have lost every game. Oh, wow. <laughs> In 1937, they finished fourth, but lost in the first round of the playoffs to the San Diego team featuring a young Ted Williams. Oh, I think that's a name I might have heard before. Yeah. He could maybe swing about a little bit. I think he could. Um, And he was a teammate of somebody that was from Portland that we'll talk about in future episodes. Sounds good. In 1943, William Kepler and George Norgan purchased the franchise. 
1944, even with World War II happening and losing many players who went off to fight, the Beavers still managed a second-place finish. All right. In 1945, the Beavers won another pennant but lost in the first round of the playoffs to San Francisco. Okay, so in, in, in these these minor league playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting setup because you can lose you can lose your players. Your players can be called up at any time to the major league club. Yes. So it's it's an interesting. You know, they they have playoffs now and and this and that. You know, and I remember the Hops were in a you know, single A playoff. Yep. Uh, a couple years ago, um, but that that's an interesting dynamic. You could be, you know, getting ready for a playoff game uh, two days and then a day or two before, mm-hmm. two of your best players are up with a major league ball club. That's just exactly. How it, that's just how it is. This is how it is, and and it's just, I guess, a chance you got to take. Right. That you know you have these good players that are on a young team and that they're doing so mm-hmm. well that they can get called up, and then you as a manager. You have to be ready and prepared to be able yeah. to cover that. So, so you know, it, I, it gives more credit to minor league baseball coaches, Man- managers, and coaches. Yeah. yeah, yeah, much, much love, much respect, just because of that constant shifting landscape. Exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, George Norgan, who had purchased with William Kepler the the, the franchise previously, um, actually ended up purchasing. Uh, William Kepler's share of the team in 1945 also. And in 1949 uh, is when the Beavers started to integrate uh, for the first time. Oh, wow. So they started having black players come on to the team. That was two years post Jackie Robinson integrating uh, integrating Major League yep. Baseball. Okay. Yep. And, and the, the interesting thing is, is that, so that was in 49, and then in 1950, you know what crazy thing that they did? What's that? They went from wearing pants to wearing shorts for the game. And it was believed that it would make their players faster. Oh, my. Horrible. <laughs> so they're a, wearing shorts playing baseball? Yeah. So there's oh, these no. there's these video of the Portland Beavers running around wearing shorts and sliding. Can you uh, imagine, like, the, the you know, the, the yeah. marks and stuff on your legs? I, I wonder if they had to up their contracts and pay them more because <laughs> that's know. just insane. But they're, they're, they, the players actually made fun of themselves having to wear shorts and running around the field. And it even shows video of some of the players getting dressed up in, in actual dresses and oh, wigs man. and everything, wearing shorts. So they, it was a pe- completely comedic time oh, nice. uh, with, during this period. Um, so then in 1954, the team went up for sale and, to the community via public stock. Oh, okay. Resulting in so, 2,400 so, so public ownership, kind of like the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers, right, exactly. Right, the only publicly owned franchise in yep. the NFL. Interesting. Yep. And yeah. then as we discussed previously, 1946, uh, sorry, 1956, the Beavers left Vaughn Stadium and moved to Multnomah County Stadium. At right, that time. Uh, yeah, Vaughn Stadium was raised. It was destroyed. Yep. They took... They took the uh, grass from Vaughn Stadium in 56 for the new Multnomah Stadium. No. And then that lasted 13 years uh, until they put turf in. Exactly. Yeah. And so throughout most of the 60s, the Beavers were a AAA affiliate of the Cleveland Indians. Okay. And then in 1972, the owner, Bill Coulter, moved the team to Spokane after they lost their team to Albuquerque. Hmm. That's Spokane. Gotcha. Um, and played for the next five seasons there. In 1978, uh, from 1978 to 1993, the PCL uh, expanded and added a new team um, 
to Portland calling themselves the Beavers and displacing the Mavericks. Uh, uh, so we will, another episode, talk about the Mavericks. That's an absolutely fantastic story. Oh my God. It pure, was, pure Portland. Pure, pure Portland. Pure. Yeah. And let's just say uh, we, we both watched a film on the Mavericks. I think at the end, I, I almost cried yeah, at one, the end. one of the best documentaries ever. Yes. Whether you like baseball or not, just well done. Well, well done. So uh, during this time, during uh, the, the they went on to win another pennant in 1983. Um, in 1993, the Beavers owner, Joe Buzas, moved the team to Salt Lake City. So we're seeing a trend after mm-hmm. so many years, the... You know they're they're here they're not here so it, it really was never um, the same franchise throughout this whole period of time because hmm. it was it was constantly being moved. So by 1994, the Class A Rockies of the Northwest League moved from Bend to play in Portland, and they played there for six seasons. Six seasons, a yep. single A ball. Single A ball. Single yep. A ball, the Rockies. Yep, and then yeah. in 2001, saw the return of AAA baseball to Portland, and at this time, it was the Albuquerque Dukes who were moved to Portland. So... If you recall correctly... Players, players associated with them, that's a lot of movement. Yeah. So if you recall correctly, the Portland Beavers originally moved from Portland to Spokane because Spokane lost their team to who? Was it Albuquerque? To Albuquerque. Yeah. So then the Spokane team that moved to Albuquerque then moved to Portland. So yeah. Full circle. They, so they basically they just ended up swapping yeah. teams. Hmm. Um and so the park at that time was ended up being renamed PGE Park. Oh, yeah. And then in 2010, uh, owner Merritt Paulson put the team up for sale, and they ended up moving to California. And um, so He ended up purchasing the Timbers. Yes, Merritt he ended Paulson. up purchasing yeah. the Timbers. And uh, the documentary that I had watched uh, regarding the Beavers is called Farewell Portland Beavers. It, you know, it can be found on Amazon. Um, but it, it has a lot of good information with I, some players. I, I remember personally that that was a that was a challenging time. Mm-hmm. Um, just having gone to a lot of Beavers games and um, watching really quality baseball. Uh, yeah, w- w- taking my kids and then taking my kids to to games. Um, and, I, and 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 don't get me wrong, I love soccer. I'm, I'm a soccer fan. But losing baseball was tough for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was tough for me because I, I, I've. I love baseball. I like going and watching it. I like being in that environment and, you know, just hearing take me out to the ball game, hearing, you know. It's got emotional triggers. It's got emotional triggers that are that are embedded deep inside you. That sounds a little a little cheesy. But there is. You know, but but it is. It's got a little, you know, for I'm going to go out on a limb and say the vast majority of the population baseball. It's just that. That little slice of Americana that's it's not embedded named, in you. It's not named America's pastime for no reason. Right, right. So, uh, so you know that you know that's where we currently stand. You know, with the Beavers now, they're they're now gone. We're now in a in a situation where we want to bring professional baseball to Portland. But let me ask you this, Dave. Um, when we get a team here, do we name them the Portland Beavers? You know, in terms of if we didn't have Oregon State with a unique mascot, 
you know, an hour and 45 minutes down the road, an hour and a half down the road from Portland. Um, I think you, you could, you would. I don't know. I think you want a fresh start, maybe something unique. Mm-hmm. Um, something that, but, but that's the challenge because you want something that's unique and connected to the region. Yeah. And the, the history and maybe the overall perception, maybe connected to stereotypes of the region. Mm-hmm. You know, um, who knows if people are willing to poke fun at themselves a little bit. Yeah. How seriously you want to take it. But I, I, think you, I think you start fresh to just invigorate that 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 people want to be involved in something new and um you know people have those maybe those connections to going to beavers games and this and that but yeah. i i think you i think you go in a new direction yeah that, so it's my personal opinion. i mean we have a lot of names that we can look at as we've seen having studied vaughn stadium having studied multnomah stadium mm-hmm. now having done this episode on the beavers i mean you've had the browns the webfoots the giants the Beavers, the Ducks, uh, the the Rockies that were here. Right. I mean, we clearly can't rename them the Rockies because Colorado has the Rockies. I mean, do you do something? Do you do something geographical? You know, the Portland Cascades, mm-hmm. you know, or something. I mean, or um, you know, some something related. I don't know. Something natural. Um, One I like is uh, the Lampreys. Lampreys. T- talk to our viewers. Uh, not not a common common uh common thing what's a lamprey so uh a lamprey is a a a fish essentially but it's it looks like a snake and it has these the suction cup mouth where it latches onto like rocks or whatever and it it kind of slowly moves itself upward you'd need to come up with a really inviting like uh graphic design a caricature design of a lamprey yeah because it's a these are these are some scary looking animals Right. Yeah. And again, it's it's not a common association for for people outside of Portland or even with it, people outside of a specific niche um, of Portland and surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. Not really a common thing, but it could become a commonly understood thing. Um, but it was, but it was it, pretty it's definitely common, an intimidating, it, intimidating looking creature. But if you take a look at the history of of the Oregon area. And you take a look at the rich history of the Native Americans that used to live. I mean, right. there used to be millions it, and millions it, of Native it, Americans. It gets you back to Native tribes yeah. and Native yes, tribal exactly. connections. And, you know, you take a look at old pictures of Willamette Falls. And, I mean, you could not see rocks because there were so many lampreys mm-hmm. at times that were stuck to these rocks trying to move their way upward. And it, there's such a rich history. Yeah. I think there's a – in Lake Oswego, they have a – uh, a monument of um, a gentleman who's holding two lampreys. And in that story, it talked about how this particular individual, his tribe was hungry. And so he went and journeyed away and ended up finding these lampreys. He got a lot of them and brought them back. The cool thing about that is you'll, you'll get people asking the question, well, what's a lamprey? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a question you want asked, yeah. you know, in terms of building that interest. Exactly. So that's, that's an option. That's a possibility. So, uh, but, you know, another great episode, another great um, experience to dive into yet again the rich history of professional ba- or baseball in Oregon. And, you know, we've heard so much about the Beavers because of the two stadiums and so on. So, um, you know, it, it was just phenomenal to be able to, to really read into these people. Yeah, um, this, this, it, it brings everything to life. And, uh, again, just uh, 
gives let, lets the imagination lets the the memory lets the imagination wander a little bit um and just uh it, it, this is you know when you create something when something's being created okay mm-hmm. it's 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 absolutely necessary to look at look at the past and 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 check out uh just just the way things have been done before yeah and again so where can people find us dave uh they can find us on the web at podcast roses i think it is podcast podcast uh, roses and they can also find us on Twitter at. Uh, now that's at po- that's at Twitter podcast. Oh, that was our Twitter. Yeah. Okay, sorry. So they can find us on the interweb at d and r podcast.wordpress.com. That's d and r podcast.wordpress.com. Check them both out. Awesome. Yeah. And go to portlandgearstore.com, our official sponsor. And we'd like to thank Portland Gear. They've been yeah, great. Yeah. They gave, I mean, you got a great shirt. It says Port, yeah. uh, Baseball to Portland on. And I love your hat and your shirt. Uh, we got uh, Ben's got a Hit City. Hit, Hit City. City. Baseball to PDX shirt on. It's fantastic. It is. And you, you I like the shirt. Uh, and, you know, they've been a great company. Uh, Marcus and Zach over there, really awesome, awesome guys. So go check them out, portlandgear.com. Whip. Sounds like something everyone needs to do. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode, Dave. Thanks for uh, joining me. All right, Ben. Hey, till next episode, brother. Peace out.